0: in my wrist. Centauri don't have major arteries in their wrists. Of course we don't. What did do debate I'm stupid.
1: Some Spoo, it's quite fresh this week.
0: Yes. Well, it seems I'm still on
1: target for my appointment 20 years from now. What appointment? Hello, everyone. And welcome to, who are you, Babylon 5, what do we say, WatchCast? Yeah.
0: WatchCast. Yeah. <laughs> we're,
1: we're professionals. Yeah, um,
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trefair. And I'm Laura.
1: And we're going to watch and talk about season one, episode two of Babylon 5. I already forgot the name. Midnight on the Firing Line. <laughs> professionals. <laughs> But but before we get to that, Laura, I have to ask you, who are you?
0: Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Oh boy. I see when I thought of the question I made you answer it, it seemed easy, and then you made me answer it. That's how these things work. Turnabout is fair play. I mean, I feel like I'm an amalgamation of a lot of different things. So I get to tell you about all those things, I suppose. Mm
1: -hmm. Or just one, because we've got to do this bit 22 more times.
0: Well, I am sometimes a singer. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. My undergraduate degree is in vocal performance, which you probably wouldn't be able to tell by my speaking voice, which I was once told was crappy. Music students are often rude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I was a mezzo soprano. I sang chorus work with New Orleans opera for a little bit. I've done a little more chorus work since that here in Oklahoma city. My, my voice teacher here in Oklahoma city, he was a helden tenor, which is a Wagnerian tenor. And he was always really encouraging of me doing things that made me happy, even if they weren't music. And he often expressed that. For the, the more dramatic, larger voice mezzo type, there's not a lot of work in the United States. Mm-hmm. If you want to work, you will have to leave pretty much at, you know, at some point, even if it's temporary.
1: Why is that? Is it just the type of opera that gets by here? Is there not? I mean, I assume there's not as much. I feel like most of the stuff I see advertised is typically more like Broadway style musical as opposed to opera.
0: It it is that it's that Broadway is American, right? Broadway started in America and it is ours, and the musical form is quintessentially American. You know, you think of the classic musicals, all you know, not even necessarily current-day musicals, but you go back and like Rogers and Hammerstein and Lerner and Lowe, like they built the the American musical style. Mm-hmm. But opera doesn't opera is a transplant. <laughs> yeah opera is italian it's a it's french it's german you don't really think of it as american and that that like ethos that every every city has several different companies that will do musical theater but they usually only have one opera and that's not you know that's not always true like new york has had multiple opera houses mm-hmm. some places have you know they'll have an established big opera house that you think of it, but they'll also have smaller opera companies. But that's pretty unusual for most of America.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in Oklahoma, <laughs> for a long time we had one opera company in the whole state, which was Tulsa Opera. Now Oklahoma City has its own competing. I wouldn't. We can't even compete necessarily. A com- <laughs> competition is the wrong word. We have our own little opera company that I'm I volunteer for. That it's it's really hard to start an opera company in a city that hasn't had one for 40 plus years. Like Oklahoma city had an opera company. I think the last time they had one was in the sixties. Okay. And I said 40 plus years, but I'm pretty sure now that I say that is 60 plus years because time is like <laughs> yeah, time does that. <laughs> yeah. It's like 60 years now. Yeah. And it's just, it. there's just not as much interest in it, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's its own thing. Opera needs to evolve a little bit. And so I did not make that my career, but I do volunteer with it. And I do really support the art of opera because I think there's, it's so complete and there's a lot you can learn from it. I think that without opera, you wouldn't have the same epic movie scores that you see today.
1: Yeah, I buy that.
0: You may not have movies where people are singing like that, but the orchestral lushness of movie scores today comes from opera. I would put money on that.
1: I would. I'd subscribe to your podcast. I, I,
0: <laughs> Note, we actually do. My friend wants to start an opera podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> We're going to get my husband drunk and then make him explain opera plots. That's our idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when it starts getting recording, be sure to cross advertise here. Yeah, sure. Uh, if only to let me know so I can subscribe and listen to it because I'm here for that.
0: You, you'll love Jill. She's hilarious. <laughs> well. Do we want to get into the episode?
1: We should get into the episode.
0: Yeah, this is this is this is Babylon 5 as I remember it.
1: For sure. A lot of the temporariness of the pilot is mm-hmm. gone. Everything feels a lot more rounded. Everything feels a lot more put together. Definitely. And there's a lot in here for later. And mm-hmm. there's there's some of that in the pilot. And I, I know we talked about it and we called it out in the pilot. There's about the same amount of it here. And to just continue that level of world building, I mean, that's what Babylon 5 does. Yes. So to just see it go full swing. So we open up on Ragesh 3, which is mm-hmm. a Centauri, Centauri farming colony. And it's under attack.
0: Yes. Oh, my oh gosh. No. I know I said that this show is Babylon 5 as I remember it. And I I said it very fondly. The first like 30 seconds are not. (laughs) (laughs) We get some rough looking Centauri. We get the rudimentary computer graphics (laughs) Mm -hmm. with the ships coming in. And we got a fun, did you, did you notice the camera thing (laughs) where it's like circled around his face?
1: Yeah. It's like
0: show drama somehow.
1: It was very dramatic. You'll have to tell them it's the explosions. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that this show does so mm-hmm. well is all of the alien races have, like, very distinct ships. Uh-huh. Nothing really looks the same. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even, like, to the point where it puts, like, Star Trek to shame. Yeah. Like, I mean, in Star Trek, like, everything has almost the same basic design and some variation like a, a klingon ship isn't really that different from a federation ship they just took the hole and the bridge and switched on the sides sizes you know like they're effectively they're the same mm-hmm. thing they're, everything's got those two very distinct nacelles
0: yeah that's true
1: and except for the board which is one of the reasons why they're creepy yeah because they're the only thing that's really different yeah
0: the, and there's nothing sleek about it or efficient right. about it because there doesn't need to be in space
1: <laughs> yeah, right? It's space. What's drag? Anyways, so, like, I knew who was attacking, bef- b- besides remembering the plot, because the ship design is so distinctive. And one of the things I noticed is the cruisers are actually not the right race.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: The fighters are the, the right race.
0: And that's what they zoom in on.
1: And that's what they zoom in on. Yeah. But the the big old cruisers that are coming in with them, the like the dreadnoughty ships are not. All that matters is that the fans of the show liked it. Last night's it's and Scratchy was, without a doubt, the worst episode ever. Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. And I don't think we see anything like those again. They're closest uh... to human ships, but without the rotating bits. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's not what... I, are we going to just... I mean, it's only like 12 minutes into the episode, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: where we find out it's the Narn who attack and those are not Narn cruisers. Narn cruisers are like giant diamonds, diamond shapes, almost like kites with red.
0: I thought I remembered that. I thought I remembered that they were different, but I didn't connect that this looks more like a human ship. I scrubbed to 34 seconds in and I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I see exactly what he's talking about." So, yeah, I I didn't quite register that it
1: was yeah. something
0: something wrong with continuity.
1: I don't know if it's continuity, if it's a they're supposed to not be because then it's harder to tell who attacked and like, sure, they did it on purpose, maybe. I mean, it'd be very easy to explain it like that, given the nature of things and the nature of the plot of the the episode. I just thought it was weird.
0: Yeah, that's one of those things. It wasn't it wasn't quite deliberate enough for us to know if that's what you really meant to do or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: this was like episode 15, I'd know it was on purpose. But because Uh it's the first scenes, post-pilot yeah i don't know
0: it's like you guys still working on that budget
1: right (laughs) they just not have them done yet and they just reused something that was like in the background Mm -hmm. or something that like flew into the station in the pilot or something maybe they had the cgi model yeah i don't know
0: yeah good catch
1: and i won't look it up to find out but (laughs) i did find it interesting
0: (laughs) well you can make neater headcanon if you don't look things up (laughs) it's true (laughs) They looked all a little rough in that first opening. But when we get to mm-hmm. the second part, we get back to Babylon 5.
1: We finally meet Avadava.
0: Yes. 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 I love everything about this scene. I love her. I love the way she goes ahead and, and develops some banter with Garibaldi. I love that she gets to wear a real uniform. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. It's so, the little things.
0: Yeah. She looks like a real person. And Mm -hmm. not some sort of statue.
1: She's in the military, clearly. Mm -hmm. You
0: can tell she's in the military. And she's even, you know, her hair is braided, which is a very more efficient military style than wearing Mm -hmm. your hair down.
1: Christensen is just fantastic actress from the start. Mm -hmm. There's a moment in this towards the end that we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. that is something I never noticed because I only had watched an SD before. And this was my first time watching the episode in HD. And there was something with her acting I noticed that is just phenomenal.
0: I'm but curious to hear, but we can, we can say it till like
1: It's at the very last scene, so yeah. we'll get let's there. not
0: spoil that one. <laughs> just,
1: just stay tuned, listener. Would you like to know more? What exactly am I referring to? <laughs> Gotta build the suspense. Um, right, right. <laughs> you know, we get a bunch of world building, we get Ivanova, and then we get Garibaldi and Londo talking.
0: Yeah, it's like the, the reprise of Londo, Garibaldi, Pilot banter.
1: Yeah, in case you miss the pilot, we're going to establish the relationship in 30 seconds and a lot of us trust me. And Garibaldi goes, I'll be five minutes dead before I trust the Satari. And it's just like, whoa, (laughs) racist?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's like like not cool. Yeah, someone needs to send Garibaldi the sensitivity training. (laughs) Right. The other thing I like about this scene is also Garibaldi apparently won't keep anyone's secrets. He's that person who knows a lot of things and wants you to know he knows a lot of things because he yes. gives a in this scene he gives away the commander's alone time by mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, he's he must be in the observation dome. This is
1: where this is where he hangs out." Yeah.
0: And then later in another scene he gives away Ivanova's location after work and mm-hmm. says, "You know, she always goes to the casino or whatever." And it's like, <laughs> "Do you is there no privacy with you?"
1: They're, clearly not. There's a couple things in this conversation that they kind of gloss over real quick, and I mm-hmm. wanted to call them out. And the first is uh, they needed Centauri DNA to prove that they were not the same race, mm-hmm. which I think is hilarious given when we find out what Centauri genitalia looks like. Oh, yes.
0: It, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> how
1: was this a question?
0: Yeah, they. I guess they were <laughs> keeping real tight-lipped on all of that anatomy data.
1: Yeah, well, you you probably would. Yeah,
0: and he says, you know, we finally got our hands on some Centauri DNA, and I was like, could you not just have somebody like sneak up behind them with a hair clipper? Like, isn't that?
1: (laughs) There's got to be hair everywhere around them. (laughs) The way that thing just bounces, there's hair everywhere. (laughs) There has to be. There's no doubt in my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I just Um, found that whole banter funny. Yeah, I mean, it was
1: they do establish that Centauri are the first alien race the humans meet.
0: Yes, and they're the Vulcans, except very not
1: (laughs) live long and prosper and then they reference a clerical error that they thought earth was a lost centauri colony (laughs) and they thought they were b12 and i'm wondering if this is jms making a battlestar galactica joke oh if the b12 is the 12 colonies from battlestar galactica
0: oh man i mean see i i didn't watch Battlestar Galactica I didn't watch BSG well this predates so that, the, I would the not new one that. so he oh, would have been yeah, referenced in
1: the 80s but yeah. I had to I had to google it to check to make sure that didn't change in the remake and it didn't because the old one is rough yeah no one's real good though
0: I haven't seen either that was one that that my family did not get into it was probably on a channel where you would have had to pay money
1: <laughs> yeah it was on sci-fi
0: oh um, yeah yeah we didn't do well, that when I was we a little finished kid. Babylon
1: 5, we know what we're watching next.
0: Yeah. Well, my husband actually said that to me already. He said that yeah. he wants me to watch Battlestar Galactic. Analytics, it's real good. So. <laughs> Stay um... tuned for Battlestar podcast. In... <laughs> so say we all. So say we
1: all. Yeah, because in Battlestar, Earth is the lost 13th colony. So I was wondering, oh. it's maybe maybe it would have been D13 if it was must- meant to be a joke. But it felt like, to me, that was the joke they were trying to make. I think
0: that's got to be a joke. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then uh veer runs in.
0: Oh yes.
1: <laughs> and uh, we get to meet him for the first time. And he is uh,
0: he is a hundred percent Veer in this scene. He is, he is he has already established that character. He doesn't need to find his feet. He knows now, who he is and what he's about. He's apparently, about panic.
1: <laughs> right. Apparently he really botched his audition, and that's why they hired him for the role. <laughs>
0: that's so awesome that's it's a, that's the dream
1: <laughs> right yeah he just like apparently he did really terrible and he thought there was no way and he, they were like he's perfect
0: <laughs> this is great
1: <laughs> he does have that big failing my audition right now energy um, yes
0: he does <laughs> as someone who has failed an audition oh yes yeah. i love it but londo's londo's uh, quips back at him are just on fire yeah joking about this this is it
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know expecting like a cadre and he gets veer
0: yeah he they're gonna be great throughout this whole show that's one of my fond memories
1: and then we get our first go at the credits which are a dream given form i love the credits to babylon Mm five i love the theme music to babylon five for every season except five i love that song and (laughs) We hear that song specifically, we hear the season one theme mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah. There's like no music in this show.
0: Yeah. It is not the same orchestral driven
1: yeah. background
0: track. Yeah. As you get in, say, some of the Star Treks
1: For sure. And we hear this theme song, I think, four times in this episode, if we count it playing the theme. Yeah. Every time they launch Star Furies or go out into space, this song plays. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's that for the rest of the series. I don't remember, uh, but I feel like it's this the season one theme. Like every time a Star Fury is launched, we hear this song.
0: I feel like you might be right. And I love that, that I've told everyone that I'm the musician and then you brought the music. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, well, here's all of my smart, astute commentary on music. I love it. I mean... I
1: almost majored in music.
0: Yeah. Like yeah,
1: yeah. I think we talked about that. I don't know if that That's was on true. pod or us talking, but yeah, I did almost major in music in college.
0: Yeah. I, um, I shouldn't declare myself the musician because well, I've also practice. established I'm not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't played. I've got three guitars on my wall and I think I've doodled them maybe for 15 minutes in the last year and a half. So,
0: yeah, well, I'm not. Practicing. I wouldn't judge the last year and a half by anything
1: that's yeah. fair i appreciate that
0: <laughs> let's just wipe those off the face of the <laughs> earth yeah
1: um and we, we get our introduction which is about the same as in the pilot episode but now with a different orchestral drivingness
0: mm-hmm. and a um, different voiceover actor yes which i have established that i do prefer peter jerasik but i don't think michael o'hare does a bad job here no I think, he doesn't i think it's quite fine he's dramatic mm-hmm. I just really liked the Lando voiceover on the pilot. Yeah. That was, that's my pre- preference.
1: And I I think I, I don't remember if I brought this up last time, if it was one of the lines in the pilot, but they, they set the stakes of this being the last of the Babylon stations.
0: Mm-hmm. So we already have some foreshadowing about something about this is the end of the Babylon stations. Yeah. What is it going to be like, yeah. what, what caused this? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we, I mean, in the pilot, we definitely got some bits about, the tragedy of all the other Babylon stations. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that they just like, the stakes are just set right there. It's like, this is Mm -hmm. the last one, guys. Yep. There will not be a Babylon 6.
0: And the mystery is why. And that's what we're here to find out. Right? (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing that I've always loved about the intros to Babylon 5 is you could tell how much work they've already done on the season at that Mm -hmm. opener. Because yeah. you're either getting things like, you know, in this one, we're getting lots and lots of shots of episodes throughout the season. It, later seasons, you start getting little clips of voices and things that are said or have been said in the past of the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the way that that is patchworked together for this.
1: Yeah, they weave intro. it into the fabric of the uh, mm-hmm. the, the narrative. And
0: that's what I'm trying to do with the our our episode music is to... Weave Mm -hmm. some things of the patchwork, some of the funny things that I like in the episode into our own little intro. All
1: right. After the credits, some raiders come in and Garibaldi runs out just past Talia Winters. We get introduced to her as the new telepath on the station. Uh And we immediately get that Ivanova has just been ducking out on her.
0: Yeah, we get we get the B story of what's going on with these raiders, and then a C story yeah. of what's Ivanova's deal, huh? hmm Yeah.
1: And Talia introduces herself, and it's all like, I've been trying to find you because I have to check in with the second in command, which I thought was interesting. What?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just like, why? That seems very needlessly specific, except to drive this C plot.
0: Yes, very true. Everybody knows that in an organization you have to have some redundancies, and there should be another person. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And then Garibaldi runs to his Star Fury and launches, and we hear the theme song again uh-huh. within three minutes. Yeah, and <laughs> happens a bunch in this show.
0: Yeah, I was going to call these the Delta X Wings because <laughs> these are these ships or these fighters are a familiar yeah. shape.
1: <laughs> they are. Yeah. yeah. They're interesting. I like, I like one of the things I liked about them compared to most other fighters Mm -hmm. is their engines are on both the front and the back, which you would totally need for space.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And a lot of fighters don't get that. They're just like, oh, it just stops. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Or turns very slowly until it, you know.
0: And I think Babylon 5 shows those off to us at different points. And I think, actually, spoilers for the next episode, we're going to get to see some good space physics which is you know you you think about when you see shots of a ship in star trek they're always oriented a certain way you know Mm -hmm. ships ships meet face to face yeah (laughs) they're not coming coming ones up yeah right yeah Yeah,
1: that's yeah you'd think they would meet from all different angles and they'd be backwards and stuff and it wouldn't matter but if you
0: really think about space and the physics it's like oh anything can happen (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i think i think babylon 5 handles space physics very impressively yeah i think that's probably one of the things that drew my father being a physicist to this show was that even though this is a little at times babylon 5 is much more fantastical almost fantasy which Mm -hmm. we'll get into in the next episode but yeah it still has enough grounding in science and puts effort into science to really drag in the hardcore sci-fi fans who maybe don't usually lean toward the fantasy, but it's, it's got a good basis in science.
1: Yeah. So the Starfuries launch and then we get a little bit with Sinclair talking and he, he -hmm. drops the line that his family's been fighter pilots since the Battle of Britain, which is, that's a lot of history. (laughs) That's many, many generations. This is, you know, cause we're talking basically from the first fighter pilots to ever exist mm-hmm. through to the 2260s
0: it must be genetic right <laughs> there's a lot of iterations to go to go through between now and then
1: and uh, they're talking about the upcoming presidential election
0: oh this this made me laugh but, well, for lots of reasons. Apparently yeah. nothing has changed in 300 years and we still choose president based on appearance.
1: <laughs> right. That's that's the only real qualifying factor any pl- pl- politician could ever have. Yep, yep. She makes a note that Santiago has no chin and Clark has too many mm-hmm. and that she's not fond of Santiago's VP, which is important world building for later. Mm-hmm. That we'll come back to that point.
0: Yep, you will need this information later.
1: And then we get a scene with Londo getting the footage from Regesh 3. And we get our CSI enhance. 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 Just print the damn thing. Yes. And I'm wondering if that's where they got it from. Like, I don't know the the entomology of that. I'm what it might have been in Neuromancer, maybe.
0: I don't know when th- you know, I don't have a good grasp of time. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I don't know when things came out relative to each other.
1: This has to predate CSI.
0: Yeah. I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Without checking. 100%. <laughs> and Londo is taking this attack very personally.
0: Yes, he is.
1: He's very upset. And we don't know why he's taking, especially for someone as callous as he is about things. He's just like, not this place. Yeah. Wonder
0: why. He doesn't take much very seriously, but this he seems to take very seriously. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now I wanted to point out before we get to this scene shortly before that, there is a scene where all the ambassadors are gathered and we are all astonished at what's happening at Ragesh 3. We don't know what's happening. Jakar is there and he claims he doesn't know. Yes. Do you believe him?
1: No, but I got two reasons why. Okay. One, they're still building him up to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And two, when he's confronted in about five minutes Mm -hmm. um, of screen time, he's just like, oh, I just found out (laughs) very casually. Like, I just found out we invaded this world.
0: (laughs) At the moment that he says that, I think it becomes clear. But when I was just looking at it as this one moment, his performance is pretty believable it needs to be he's not he's definitely not playing at that layer of like i'm pretending to be super innocent but wink wink over the audience i know what's going on like Mm -hmm. it doesn't come off so i think andreas's performance is just very nuanced in that way yeah and i really like that about it because i was genuinely looking at this episode or this section of the episode going hmm did he know or not? But his flippant attitude when he talks to Londo later is it leans me hard on the yeah, I knew.
1: Yeah, I think he knew. <laughs> yeah. If he if he had not been so flippant later, I would think that he didn't know here. But yeah, yeah. He totally knew. Not only did he totally know, I think he orchestrated it. Oh. I think this is his plan.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Like from the get. And we'll get into that later when we find hmm. out why Londo cares so much. But we get uh, a scene with Garibaldi in the B-plot, checking out the damage on the raider. And he's Mm -hmm. all like, oh, this is, the guns are too big on this. And we have to find the black box, thus ensuring that Jerry Seinfeld is still funny in the 2260s, which I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Some some of those bits are timeless. The funny thing is, is, he's actually more correct there why don't you make the whole ship out of the black box actually works in space
0: Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) maybe space black box is a very finite material that we make that out of (laughs) quite possibly yeah
1: that would make sense
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm that's headcanon right there yes so not only did we establish garibaldi as you know the crack detective in the pilot now we're going to also make him a super good pilot in episode two (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. everyone in the main cast really like all of the earth force people are like accomplished pilots
0: yeah i want to meet the earth force accountant god dang it (laughs) 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 maybe i could be a pilot if i was an earth force accountant (laughs) i i do like that you know what i like about their fighter pilots and these small craft pilots in babylon 5 better than star trek we're wearing a space suit. Right. We're wearing something that looks like if things blew up around us, we would survive it.
1: Like you, you're still stranded in space, but there's lights and mm-hmm. oxygen and
0: you have a few minutes chance, but you know all this the, the Star Trek shuttlecraft going around out there.
1: Yeah, you just got nothing.
0: <laughs> yep. The, the the hit's too strong and we're gone so
1: i wonder if it's a futility thing with star trek because whenever we see a ship explode it explodes mm. in star trek
0: yep it's all and that dilithium it, i guess
1: right it's just like the warp cores or whatever when they blow it's just too much energy there's no point in the spacesuit. Yeah. suit it will do you no good
0: could be could be that's dark <laughs> Or it could just be that spacesuits don't look as good on TV.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> Budget. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I really appreciate that. Appreciate that realism in Babylon Five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we called that out last time too, where they're wearing armor to go fight.
0: The show is not as concerned with looks as it is with what's practical. I like That's
1: it. important. And it plays through with the whole series too, which mm-hmm. is good.
0: It's very consistent.
1: After this, Lando confronts Jakar eating spoo, which is a our first reference to Spoo, oh boy. Would you like some Spoo? It's very good. No, I don't want any Spoo. I hate Spoo. I don't even know what Spoo is. Now go away.
0: I want to know where this joke came from. I need to know. Jay Michael Straczynski, you got to tell me where <laughs> Spoo came from.
1: The I'm internet sure. already
0: probably knows. Yeah, I'm sure but you like... can Google
1: it. But no, Jay Michael Straczynski, you at me on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell me <laughs> explain your spoo
1: and things get heated mm. real quick between these two
0: and then Londo spits in his spoo yeah <laughs> that was just a sentence I really needed to say I'm sorry we don't have <laughs> to put that in there
1: no, 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 it's good it's it's uh, rhythmic
0: it's got some healthy alliteration and it gets it gets violent really quick and those yeah. guards rush in there And they have good uniforms, too. I Mm -hmm. I appreciate that the security uniforms are very distinct, at least color-wise, from the Earth Force uniforms, so we can tell them apart quickly. And it gets really threatening.
1: I mean, they they exchange some real serious dialogue. What reason is there to attack unarmed civilians? We wondered the same thing when you attacked our world. And we've established the history of these two peoples, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more of that to build on. But they do not let up on it for a moment.
0: They're, they're beating that drum pretty hard. And then we go into Sinclair speaking to Londo in his quarters and Londo's quarters, <laughs> which I love Lando's quarters. They, I feel like they decked him out a little more for the, you know, the season one. than when we spoke to him, I believe we spoke to him in his quarters a couple of times in the pilot, right? Or am I totally making that
1: up? I don't remember. I just remember Dylan's quarters and how different they are.
0: You might be right. I'm sorry. I've watched these first 3 episodes so many times that they are running together a little bit. So, but I love Lando's quarters. I love the way they've decked them out.
1: Yeah, they're great.
0: It's that very like historical, you know, his his little quarters could be a museum, you know, very fancy art, historical looking. I like it. But he decides to go and spoil the whole damn show for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole show, but...
1: I want to talk about this. So Lando tells us that all Centauri have a dream and know how they will die. He makes it very clear that this is a species-wide phenomena.
0: And this is the more fantastical side of Babylon 5. I thought we didn't get into it until the next episode, but... Mm -hmm this is definitely kind of a fantasy moment because it's like how do we all as a species have a premonition of when we're gonna die
1: right (laughs) how do you not like can you imagine everyone
0: there must be a lot of generalized anxiety disorder on centauri prime (laughs) or none (laughs) (laughs) well maybe that is
1: you're like well you know, it's all like, well, I know that I'm going to die in a accident with a bus. Mm-hmm. So I just don't ride buses. Yeah, And then the one time I'm forced to, I'm just like, eh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why the Centauri are the way they are as a species, because it's very like Rome right before Abster it collapsed. Yeah. You know, in the sense that you get for the Centauri a lot of the times, like. Ancient Rome going down is what I think of, and maybe that made them very nihilistic, being able to all know when they're going to die, <laughs> and so as as a species they just sort of imploded. I don't know.
1: Did it? Has it always been that way? Did it start <laughs> at some point? What was that
0: like? <laughs> he talks about how he knows that it's going to be
1: him and Jakar. Twenty years from now, we're going to strangle each other to death. Yeah. Period.
0: Uh huh. And I was just like. How do you handle that as Sinclair, knowing that <laughs> that this ambassador is telling you right now, someday he's going to kill this other ambassador?
1: You hope you're promoted <laughs> off the station in 20 years. It's
0: like, this seems like it could be an HR issue at some point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but he
0: takes it in stride. He takes it really well. Yep. He lets Londo deliver his monologue.
1: And over the course of which we find out why Londo took this so personally. Mm-hmm. His nephew, Karn Malari, wanted to do the noble thing and join the military. And Londo's like, you're an idiot, but I have enough influence to stash you away on this world where you'll mm-hmm. never be in danger, except for the second episode of the TV show.
0: <laughs> except for it's all my fault <laughs> that you're in danger. <laughs>
1: right. And immediately, right? Mm-hmm. At least probably not in Londo's time frame. But I really
0: feel for him right there. Like you can tell that he was trying really hard to do the right thing for his family. And, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. So he's in this situation now.
1: And man, we get a really good line from Lando towards the end of this scene too. And it's like, uh, my dreams of galactic peace, I think, are long past innocence and fast approaching apathy.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. really real. That's heavy. He is the kind of jaded that he doesn't think that things can change anymore. and he is powerless to make any changes and that's really sad mm-hmm. that's really sad
1: yeah and that's not true
0: mm-hmm.
1: it is definitively not true over the course of the tv show
0: right right gosh the more i think about Wanda, the more tragic he gets but right now he is very amusing and he is yes. a very good actor in this peter jurassic just does a fantastic job making him mm-hmm. believable and he's I think about the accent that he puts on for this. And it's like, you know, it's obviously mimicking some sort of European. Yeah. But sometimes it's a, something a, a little Italian and sometimes it's something a little French.
1: Yeah. It's very nondescript. You know, it's really aristocratic. It's enjoyable that way.
0: And that makes these monologues more dramatic. But after we we end the drama with Londo, we get back to the B story for a brief second.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what the hell is garibaldi eating
0: i don't know (laughs) he's like got the whole casino buffet it's like some weird triangle meatloaf
1: (laughs) thing it's bizarre looking whatever it is
0: yes this is a great set he's gone to the casino buffet yeah and he just has the most hilarious like spiky fruit
1: he's got like half of a mango surrounded by grapes Uh that's just like it's not even like a de-shelled mango or anything that's edible
0: yeah (laughs) just cut it in
1: half good to go
0: (laughs) he's a stress eater though he's really worried about this whole raider situation
1: yeah the universe is going to hell in a handbasket which Mm -hmm. i think he says probably another 400 times throughout the course of this show
0: yeah he's he's clearly our old curmudgeon of the show yeah um And you can tell because his hairline is just (laughs) moving on back. (laughs) I feel bad for Jerry Doyle having to go through that part of his uh, adult life. On camera. (laughs) On camera like this.
1: The wrong time to choose to get into acting. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel a little bad about that.
1: And then Talia shows up and Ivanova clearly sees her and then pieces, just ducks her again real hard.
0: I aspire to be this bold. (laughs) (laughs) to be to be as bold as claudia christian being like well there's someone i don't like bye right
1: just oh like make eye contact and then turn around and leave immediately (laughs) just like not dealing with it
0: i'm working towards it (laughs) (laughs) one day and that's when garibaldi gives up her free time and advises talia to try to catch her there which is exactly what ivanov is going to want right (laughs) right to be caught after work By the one person she's been avoiding all day. Cool.
1: Yeah. Drinking.
0: (laughs) Good job, Garibaldi.
1: (laughs) So there's something in this scene that I noticed that I wanted to call out, but it's super Mm -hmm. spoiler town.
0: Okay. Heading to spoiler town.
1: Heading to spoiler town. Population. Us. (laughs) So. (laughs) Ivanova. Like we see Talia start to walk up from a distance. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ivanova knows turns and leaves right there's no acknowledgement of talia oh we later in the series find out that Ivanova is actually a latent telepath i'm wondering if this is a early tell of that and she sensed talia that's Mm. what this played like to me
0: that would be a juicy read i like that i didn't i didn't quite catch that myself but i see what you're saying
1: yeah, just the way it plays out, like the way that like she reacts without looking, mm-hmm. and then looks to confirm. Like mm-hmm. the the look is not to notice; the look is to confirm because she's already started leaving at that point.
0: I'm seeing that in the time time scrubs. After we leave that, we get Commander Sinclair going back to visit our old buddy from the pilots.
1: Right, Rock'em Sock'em Kosh. <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Rock'em sock robot! Yep. Ridiculous neck stuck out six feet in the air for no reason
0: Uh, like we said this encounter suit probably this encounter suit does not do shit so like it's gotta look cool
1: ignore the (laughs) flashlight behind the curtain like (laughs) this scene is ridiculous how do how do you have this experience and not just be like blown away by it because it's just literally like it's a like a will-o'-wisp behind this curtain just jumping around all over the place Mm
0: mm-hmm I'm really surprised that Sinclair got to go in those quarters, to be honest. right? Yeah, I didn't remember any. I, I remember Sheridan eventually getting to confront Kosh in these sort of ways. And we get classic creepy Kosh mm-hmm. when uh, Sinclair is explaining the situation to them. And he asks,
1: they are a dying people. We should let them pass. And he goes, the Centauri or the Narn. And Kosh says, yes, which I thought was super interesting. Because the Centauri and the Narn both have absolutely no value to the Vorlons. Mm-hmm. Like in the grand scheme of how this the story will play out. The Vorlons have interest in certain races for certain things. We'll get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the Centauri and Narn, notably, they won't have access to those resources for whatever reason. I'm being super ambiguous because it's a fun twist. But... Yeah, so it's like he just knows. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about either of those races. That's not why he's there.
0: That is classic Kosh, and that is the Kosh I remember, not the the rolling clearly on some sort of <laughs> some sort of wheels Kosh from right. the pilot. <laughs> the pilot
1: pilot Kosh is way rough.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's much creepier and much uh, scarier looking now.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we get what I think is probably the most defining moment of Londo in this whole season. At like 20 minutes into the second episode, we, we, we find what is going to cause the chain of events that will change everything for everyone, really. And it's Londo upset that the Centauri have decided to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so he gets wasted and decides he's going to ignore it and he's going to bring back the glory days in this moment. He's going to yep. find a way to restore the Centauri Republic somehow. He doesn't say it out loud, but it's definitely there. It's boiling. Don't stop me now. You can see it in the way Peter Jurassic acts yeah. and handles this scene.
0: And it's definitely foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. Foreshadowing of some some of the events that are going to happen. This is his moment where there's definitely a a bent towards being a certain way.
1: If we don't have this event, I don't know that he takes Mr. Morden's offer later.
0: This is, this is the straw that started breaking this camel's back. For sure. Yeah.
1: It's definitely strong foreshadowing in the next scene. We also get some strong foreshadowing of real life events as Talia and Garibaldi flirt in the elevator because they got married.
0: You know, I, I, now that you say that I'm remembering that. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, not You're... in the show. That's not a show spoiler. No. Well, I guess that's a show spoiler, but the actor and actress Jerry Doyle and you Andrea Thompson.
0: Let me just say, this is not a good pickup line. Oh no. <laughs> no one used this.
1: No. Show you my second favorite thing in the universe.
0: Uh-huh. Well, he did offer to show her his favorite first. That's true. <laughs> and when she <laughs> didn't take that bait, he he offered the second favorite.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and i was just like wow that's really bonkers this show wanted to establish itself as a little more edgy i think yeah and also it got jokes
1: (laughs) right at least it's calmed down from the pilot Uh the absurdity of it
0: now we're bringing the jokes jokes
1: right jokes jokes. after this jakar tells us about his dreams of genocide yeah
0: Just, just
1: cleanse the universe whoa you can't can't say things like that, (laughs) Chakar.
0: Yeah, this episode is really strange here. Chakar does go really hard on the genocide pedal, but Sinclair is also very preachy at telling an oppressed person how they should feel (laughs) and what they should do Mm -hmm. to be a good oppressed person. And, you know, for anyone listening in the distant future in the 23rd century, the 2020s are not a good time to tell oppressed people how they're supposed to feel about being oppressed. Context. <laughs> yes. It's very important. This is That's the defining feature of this decade. We're only like two years in, but I'm pretty sure that's it.
1: Let's hope that keeps going. Dear listener in 2027, laughing at me mockingly right now. We do get a reference to the terrorist nuking of San Diego, too, which is good world building.
0: That is interesting.
1: Um, Because we see the San Diego wastelands at one point.
0: Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, I remember that. Star Trek gives us, you know, Starfleet headquarters in San Francisco, and Babylon Mm -hmm. 5 gives you the smoking wastelands of San Diego. Yeah. Enjoy!
1: (laughs) Garibaldi gives us a timer on the B-plot. We're
0: going to up the stakes. On the
1: Raiders. Michael? We don't have a lot of time on this. And it's never referenced again, but the stakes are upped. And then we get senators again.
0: Yes, I love senators on the TV.
1: And it's different senators. Yeah. It's, it's always different senators. Like, do they take turns on Babylon 5 duty.
0: Who's minding Babylon 5 this week?
1: Right. I drew the short straw. Uh-huh. He does reference the committee, though, the senator that we're talking to this time. Oh, yeah. Which makes me wonder if there's, like, in our Senate, there are committees that do would do things like this.
0: Is there a a Babylon five committee. Well, there'd be like a foreign
1: <laughs> late relations. There'd probably yeah, be an yeah. interstellar foreign relations committee. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the And We're just seeing those people in and out of election seasons. And then we get the theme music again, has the star furies launched because we've got the timer on the B plot. And then we have like another like minute of other stuff that happens. And then we go back to space and we get the theme music again. Yeah. And there's no music in between. And I couldn't help, but wonder if the show was made today, if they would just have like a subscription to one of those websites where you can just get free use music and that <laughs> would have solved the problem of how quiet this show is. Cause I, I don't know. It's, it's never really bothered me as much as the time I watched this episode right before we recorded, but huh. it was really getting to me. Just like the absolute lack of music until the theme song plays throughout almost the entire episode
0: yeah we spent all our we spent all our money on this theme song so we can't hire any instrumentalists for this episode so here we go (laughs) just replay it yeah but I think it's interesting you know Sinclair does a similar thing here in the pilot he didn't go to the council things because he was on trial Mm -hmm. and this time he's like
1: I'm just gonna ignore what you told me (laughs) yeah it's just like scapegoat
0: And I love how Ivanova's reaction is not, you know, in Takashima was kind of like, oh, I'm not ready to go be on the council. Yeah. Ivanova's like, OK, <laughs> I guess I'll go do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I guess I'm voting for sanctions. Wink, wink. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's what she told me. Didn't yep. hear anything else.
0: Move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. I liked that, especially. You know, last episode, Sinclair was very, you're doing this by the book. And now mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to go do this. And you pretend you didn't see anything.
1: Right. <laughs> very, very stark contra- contrast. Yes.
0: Yes. But he's he's playing chess here. He's moved, yeah. He's got a couple moves ahead planned out.
1: He does. This is when we get in the council chambers, we get the video of Karn Malari that, you know, they say his name so distinctly. And then Jakar has to also go. Guess there's a relation. <laughs> <laughs> they say his name a couple times too.
0: Well, maybe Malari's are like Smiths.
1: Maybe. We don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a fair call out. I shouldn't assume that Malari is an uncommon Centauri name. Right. And uh, they explain that uh, homeworld has abandoned them and they're joining the Narns. Just like peace route. Mm-hmm. Lando does not take that well.
0: He does not take that well. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Obviously it's a script. But everyone is sitting there. We have we have the four main alien races ambassadors there and mm-hmm. the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, right? Yeah. Which I love that as a as a name. I yeah, I didn't hear about the League of Nations until after the League of Non-Aligned Worlds mm. <laughs> in my my development as a child. And when I got to that League of Nations, I was like, oh, this makes this make more it makes the league of non-aligned worlds make a little more sense Mm -hmm. too yeah it's a nice nice easter egg there that i like but yeah we have all of them there and jakar has londo up against a wall yeah we all know that this is probably not true that they asked for the narn's help
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i used quotations for those of (laughs) you who are not on looking at me on a camera, but what can they do? Like, yeah, they, they know it's not true, but what can we do about it?
1: And this is where Sinclair's chess game starts to become apparent. But first, we have Talia running into Lando. We see Londo preparing something in his quarters very hurriedly.
0: I love this scene. He's taking apart all of that art and historical looking stuff that I was so intrigued about earlier. And he's taking it apart and fashioning it into some sort of weapon.
1: Yeah. And what we find via Talia running into him and having a psychic vision as they accidentally touch mm-hmm. is a gun. And he's just going to go murder Chakar. Just like just straight up, just very publicly murder this dude. And Talia finds Garibaldi, warns mm-hmm. Garibaldi. Garibaldi confronts Lando.
0: Yeah, and this is a good scene.
1: It's a really good scene. It gets him to give up on it. Will not even really give up on it so much as wait in Londo's perspective.
0: Yeah, he reminds Lando that if he is to do what he's planning, that the nephew he cares so much about that we established earlier, he's going to die. Yeah, (laughs) so you cannot do this thing that you are planning. You have to wait.
1: Mm -hmm. And I mean, he straight up Garibaldi tells him, "It's just like I will kill you to prevent you from doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, if you pull this gun." I'm going to drop you. And Landa's like, would you really have killed me? And he goes, yeah, but the paperwork is a pain in the butt. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, Jerry Doyle's turn to conservative talk radio makes a lot more sense.
0: <laughs> I wonder sometimes if this character poisoned him a little bit.
1: <laughs> I wonder how much of this character informed was informed by him.
0: Very, very curious. Too.
1: It, go, it could go both ways. Yeah.
0: Very curious. After he's successfully convinced Londo not to do the thing, mm-hmm. we cut back to Sinclair and the results of his badass chess game.
1: He outplays the Raiders, finds their headquarters base thing. It was hard to tell how large it was because it was in asteroids. And are those big asteroids? Are they small asteroids? Like, we don't know how large this thing is exactly. Yeah.
0: There's no perspective.
1: So we don't know how many people are on this base that he raids. It could have been a couple. It could have been a hundred.
0: Mm-hmm. We've got
1: no idea. I assume it's not that many because...
0: There's at least one.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's at least one. And it's a Narn. And mm-hmm. we get some history on uh, Narn weapon deals, which was brought up early in the episode as well.
0: Right, right. Because Jakar throws that in Sinclair's face about, yeah. we supported you during your war.
1: And so we find out that it was a Narn plot with the raiders. Mm -hmm. And that they were the ones who sent the transmission and when they get the full footage, it's apparent that Karn Malari was being held at gunpoint and Londo was right and he's proven right.
0: And that the colony tried to defend itself that yes, yeah, all of that is proven. So Sinclair is able to once again... He's got Jakar by the gonads. <laughs>
1: yeah, and there's a particular scene returns. he turns. He's your choice, Ambassador. And mm-hmm. I wonder how many, like, takes that took. Because it felt very practiced when I watched it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was very cutting. But it's just, it feels like one of those ones where it's just, you'd either get this in two takes or you'd get it in 30.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, his frustration is palpable. And... Sometimes when you're filming something like this, the only way to get that genuine of a frustration is to force the actors to do it a whole bunch.
0: Until they're very frustrated. Hmm. Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) So he's got Jakar up against a wall Mm -hmm. and basically going to have to force the Narn to to free the colony.
1: Yeah. And that's what ends up happening. And then after this, we get a scene with uh, Talia and Ivanova where they finally talk. Yeah. And we get some backstory on Ivanova's mom being a telepath and some real core's mother, core's father shit.
0: Yes. The fascism is strong.
1: But yeah, the the fascism is real strong with the Psycor. They do a really good job of all of that. And I have two things I want to call out from this scene. Go ahead. The first is that thing I mentioned earlier that I never noticed in it's SD, but when you watch it in HD, the way the light reflects on Claudia Christian's eyes, you can see that there are tears in the bottom of her eyes and she is not crying.
0: Yes. This scene is very real to her.
1: Yeah. That is so hard to do. To like be able to get it and hold it for a scene mm-hmm. is crazy to me.
0: Because you cannot ruin this eyeliner. I have have scrubbed to her face and that is some fantastic eyeliner. (laughs) Right. And it holds and
1: she never lets a tear shed. Yep. But she is clearly welling up to that the entire time they're talking. And it's just insane. Just her ability as an actress to do this blows my mind.
0: And this is a really heavy scene.
1: It's so heavy. Which is why the other thing I noticed is that the bartender was not a gorilla.
0: What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did we let him go already?
1: I think so. God
0: damn you, God! Damn you, all the hell!
1: I don't think we see a gorilla bartender again. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be looking a lot.
0: That's a shame if we had to let him go this soon. That would have really lightened up the tone. But instead of you yeah. know a gorilla bartender to lighten up the tone, we're gonna and we had a allusion to some darkness when we discussed mm-hmm. how the election is turning out. Yeah. Wait. wait. No, that doesn't doesn't have until after the scene. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, there's the we're gonna lighten it up first. first.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Garibaldi and his second favorite thing in the world with Dillen.
0: Yeah, he's he's found someone to share it with. Right. And it's still Dodgers. So good. (laughs) I cracked up so hard at this. Yeah. Because his his laughter for one to be I'm not sure how Mm -hmm. how genuine that is for me from the actor, but also. TNT or or this show was owned by the WB right so we're using a WB property which is Looney Tunes
1: yeah <laughs> yeah Turner W Warner Brothers was I don't know
0: yeah yeah okay and at the just, time it made yeah. me laugh because it was like it can't be Disney it can't be anybody else it's right. got to be something that we own so these are the cartoons we own <laughs> right <laughs> I loved it. I loved it, and Mira Furlan's the way she plays this with like yeah. examining her popcorn. Yeah, no, and the can, way
1: she picks at it is so funny to me.
0: And you can tell she likes the popcorn; like she's delighted by that popcorn. It is mm-hmm. very interesting. She does not get what's happening on this TV, and this yeah. TV is so small. <laughs>
1: right, it's a it's a really tiny TV, and I mean it makes sense that she's not really there for it because it's very physical comedy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they actually talk about. Mimbari humor being pun-based yes. in season five in yeah. the, the episode with Rebo, Rebo, Rebo and Zooty. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense that she's just like I understand that you think this is funny
0: mm-hmm. but and I do not understand. She's delighted that you think this is funny. She's, yeah. she's very happy for you and she yeah. is interested in this popcorn. It is salty, it is good, but <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, Whatever her laugh is almost like with Garibaldi, not at the show. Uh-huh yeah
0: i i love it it's it's a very it builds a lot for the Mimbari right there in that moment and also is a good fun just good fun for the viewer yeah.
1: and then after this we get our election results our d
0: storyline yeah a very deep d story
1: <laughs> yeah and we, we hear that santiago wins mm-hmm. and this is all just over the news to us and he won on the campaign promises of a closer relationship with the Mars colony and Mm -hmm. a greater emphasis on preserving earth cultures in the face of growing non-Terran influences. Mm. And both of those things are huge foreshadowing for stuff that comes later. Yep. And I loved it. I totally did not catch that last time I was watching the show. Um, That
0: is one of those things. Like Londo called it out for us when he told us his foreshadowing. He said, In 20 years, I'm going to do this. This is much, much subtler. And I like that better. I wish I wish Londo had not told us in the second episode about his vision. (laughs) It was it was too early for me. We don't really Mm -hmm. know Londo yet. It was just like, God damn, you're gonna spoil the show in the second episode. But this foreshadowing was much. It's more subtle and buried and mm-hmm. just kind of a, a parting thought at yeah. the end of the episode. And I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it was really good.
0: Yeah. Um, so overall, what what are your thoughts about this episode?
1: I liked it. It does a lot to, it does a lot of character building in a lot of world. There's, I mean, there's a lot in this episode, especially for, you know, 40 minutes of television. Yeah, You know, and Babylon 5 at its peak is about that world building and about that character building. Mm -hmm. And this just sets the stage for how good this show is going to be going forward. Yeah. Not every episode lives up to this episode in terms of how much character building and world building we get.
0: And I feel like that's very true for this season. For season one. We get a few good ones right here at the beginning, though. This one Mm -hmm. and... The next one, I didn't realize how good they were. Like the first what, time What around. is the
1: next one? Do you have the preview?
0: Yeah. So the next episode that we're going to have coming up is Soul Hunter.
1: Babylon 5's alien residents fear the alien Soul Hunter Sinclair rescues from a disabled spaceship is there to steal their soul.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's very is. accurate.
1: <laughs> the word alien and soul are five times in that one sentence
0: yeah yeah we maybe could have been a little more concise but it is an accurate description of the episode
1: yeah we have to thank jeremy (laughs) siegel for our wonderful theme song thank you
0: yes it's so fun to to work with and i really appreciate it that's all folks I'm learning about the magic of editing and how much exactly how much I can do. And it's great.
1: Oh, it's yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm worrying a lot less when I have these pauses or something because I'm like, I know I'm going to cut that out and it's going to sound fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This whole little bit here, gone. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Into the ether.